Good morning. It's Sam. It's Simon. <laughs> hello, Sam. Hi. Yes, hello. How are you? I'm excellent. How are you? Yeah, fantastic. Thank you. That's uh, that's good. Fantastic yeah. is good. Yeah, it's been a it's been a really good, very busy week full of lots of fun things and fun humans. So there we go. Tell us about it. Uh, well, I don't know. Um, what have I been up to? <laughs> so I <laughs> went to ThoughtWorks event last night, which is fascinating with about agile tech in Africa, uh-huh. which was very cool. Uh, what else have I been doing? I don't know. I feel like I've been doing lots of things, though. It's because we haven't spoken for a while. I know. It's been two weeks. I missed you. I missed you too, man. Um, The whole world's going agile. I'm glad to hear Africa is too. Yeah, yeah, it's quite exciting. Um, it's very exciting in my life because um, we, we had a we had a minor technology disaster last week that involved us having to rebuild a website overnight because launch day was the next day, and it all of a sudden but... failed when we deployed it to the live server because in the staging environment um, it was allowing a whole bunch of caching and things. We built the site a certain way, and then they put the, put it on the live server, and the whole thing fell over. So we had to rebuild mm. it overnight, and it was fairly disastrous. So <laughs> all. All of this agile talk really resonated. <laughs> you know, there's. I was trying to think of of a real world analogy for that situation, but mm. there really there really aren't many real world analogies for the kind of cluster that you'll get in software development Absolutely. when things go south yeah. with software. Yeah, I think that's why, you know, it's it's so difficult for agencies who are trying to sell this kind of thing to a client because a client kind of wants things on paper and they want to know exactly what date things are going to happen and they're going to be ready by. And there are other things in life that work like that, um, but but not, not software dev so much. <laughs> well, I'm not sure that you can really nail down a plan up front for anything in reality. We've, we've discussed this before, but the whole like mm. map without the territory – Mm. Um, planning is important. Plans themselves, not so much. Yeah, yeah, agreed. So um, I met somebody who, who works in the advertising world who doesn't develop software but was telling me that they use Agile for their content development now. That's very interesting. The div- mm-hmm. And then I met somebody at a law firm who said they're looking at Agile methodology. Oh, wow. Okay. So, so I, think the I don't know if there was a book that came out recently <laughs> or something. but It's a thing in the air. It's in the zeitgeist. Mm-hmm. So I think the thing that I like the most about Agile is that it, it understands that the thing that really dictates the success of teams is how those teams communicate with each other. Um, and Agile kind of understands or seems to understand better the softer fluffier side of, you know, it's important the team feels motivated, that they're talking to each other every day, that there's, you know, the daily scrum or whatever. Um, You know, those kind of approaches seem to understand that it's people as much as process that that makes things work, Um, which I can totally understand how that could be applied into any context in which humans are having to collaborate with other humans. Mm. I think the problem is when, uh, when people see a process like Agile working really well in one place, they try and replicate it uh, very methodically and mm. to the T in their own environment. Um, and I think the trick with process is that you can't really ever do that. You mm. can't take something that's worked somewhere else and just plug it into your organization and think that 
you know, because Apple used this to make an iPhone, uh, <laughs> we can use it to make awesome legal documents or whatever. Yeah, it's the cargo cult theory. So, you know, we saw this was one thing that led to very good outcomes in one context. So we'll just take pick up all the things that were around it and replicate that, even right. though that might not have been the thing that actually caused the good the goodness. And what that does is it distracts you from the only thing that's really important, which is being awesome. But I think yeah. for a lot of companies, like being agile and having awesome toys and processes mm. uh, is used as an excuse for not just being awesome. Mm, mm. And people not just owning something and, and doing whatever they have to do to make it work. Like if you have strong enough people in a waterfall process, it, it still might be great um, if some person or a, a number of individuals feel responsible for that thing and they love that thing, they will do whatever it takes to make sure that it works. Um, and in that case, that's also fine <laughs> in certain contexts. I think the most important thing is you just need that one human being who's in charge of making sure that things are awesome. Like yeah. just, just the reality checker going, okay, guys, that Gantt chart looks amazing. I'm sure mm. it's very clever, and so are you. Um, <laughs> but let's just take a step back, put the Gantt chart yeah. down, put the Gantt chart yeah. down, and let's look at the <laughs> step product. away from the Gantt chart, yeah. <laughs> Maybe what we're doing sucks, in which case the <laughs> fact that we made a Gantt chart and delivered it on time doesn't really matter. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important that the person who's doing that is not the product owner or a project manager, that that is a person who is building, involved in building the actual thing and can see it and, and can understand what it is. Um, yeah, it's interesting. So I think I think that other industries probably can learn a lot from various kinds of software development houses and agencies and that kind of thing. Um, just because, you know, we have to work so quickly all the time um, and we have to output stuff almost every day. Um, so I think that, you know, that, that sense of how can, we, how can we birth this thing that's beautiful and amazing and works into the world, but also do so as quickly as possible um, is something that can cross-apply into other industries who might not have had that pressure. Well, absolutely. Yeah. Or could cross-apply into life, mm. you know. Mm. But, you know, most things do, like boxes of chocolates and basketballs. We've all heard the analogies. But, um, yeah. but maybe, maybe you're a no, parent. No, wait, I, I don't understand. What do boxes of chocolates have to do with basketballs? Life, life is like a box of chocolates, Sam. Oh, oh, yes, okay. Can I gotcha. have to teach you this, am I? Where, 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 do, the, <laughs> where do the basketballs come in? <laughs> well, you can do it to anything. Um, oh, so, okay. so life is like a basketball. One minute yeah, you're yeah. up in the air, and the other minute you're flat <laughs> on the ground. Oh, <laughs> you know. That's funny. Yeah, yeah, or, yeah. Uh, but, but with Agile and having a captain of awesomeness, that mm. just makes sense in life because maybe you're a parent and maybe you're ticking all the boxes. You're around mm. um, and you're dropping the things off at school. But, uh, but how actively are you involved in actually being awesome at those things? Like, mm. sure, you're around, yeah. you're at home. Maybe you're playing uh, Clash of Clans on your iPhone, in which case you're a bit of a sucky parent to be around. <laughs> um, you know, so mm. you can tick the boxes, but if yeah. you're not being awesome, nobody really cares. Yeah, yeah. No, it's a good way of putting it. Yeah, I think as but well. Just at the end of the day, it's just like a basketball. Because <laughs> you're bouncy and, and big and round. Because <laughs> the one minute you're orange and round. <laughs> and the next minute, uh, rolling down the stairs or something. Mm, okay. This is very silly. Yeah, indeed. Are you having Skype problems, Sam Beck-Bessinger? I 
am, Simon. You're coming in and out. Mm. You're coming in and out like a like a basketball bouncing wow. away from me. Is that a euphemism? <laughs> uh, I hope not. Yeah, um, me too. Wait, hang on. Hmm. I think maybe it'll settle down. Hmm. Well, you know, sometimes Skype does settle down. Sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes it gets worse and then it explodes. Yes. So Skype did you- is like life. <laughs> Skype is like a basketball. One minute it's blue and clear. <laughs> <laughs> okay, this is getting random. Um, so tell me, did you spend your 67 minutes yesterday sitting around thinking about how much you hate Mandela Day? <laughs> no. Um, oh. hmm, Mandela Day. I uh, I didn't I I like to think that I um, spend at least sixty seven minutes a day being useful. Mm. Um, I hate that humanity needs these excuses for being good at stuff. You mm. know, it's like it's Mandela Day, so pretend like you care about orphans and go and paint yeah. a school or whatever for sixty seven um, minutes. Yeah, and you know, I don't I don't hate charitable undertakings. I don't think people who paint schools are douchebags. I mm. think they rock. Uh, mm. I just think maybe they should do it more often than once a year because Nelson Mandela's getting really old. Yeah, sure. I mean, look, I think uh, I, I do think that there is value in these social rituals and these moments of kind of let's let's all remind ourselves that we still live in an incredibly unequal society that still has massive battles to fight. You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. I, I mean, I, I think the expression of of Mandela Day sometimes just gets a bit douchey. So um, it must be really tough for like the SBCA. They must just be inundated by very <laughs> ineffective do-gooders. <laughs> Mandela Day is like, just give us money, go away. <laughs> That's not how you hold the puppy, you know. Um, Why is it sixty-seven minutes? Is that because of his number six? What is it? Six four six four, six seven, seven. No, no. I think there was. Uh, I don't know. I think it's because it somehow it added up to sixty-seven years of service. So the time he was a freedom fighter with the ANC, and then when he was imprisoned, and then when he was the president. I think if you add that up, that gets to sixty-seven years. Mm-hmm. I think. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm all for it, uh, but let's let's try and do that every day. Mm. In fact, I can I, I I don't even need to do any investigation to know that somebody has coined the "Make Every Day a Mandela Day" slogan. <laughs> Probably a talk <laughs> no radio doubt. station. No doubt. Yes, as um, they are want to do. Yeah, charity is an interesting thing because um, yeah, it's it's totally a good thing, but it's funny that. It seems that, you know, everyone feels like there are certain things that count as charitable and certain things that don't. Um, and there's so, – so I have a friend, Luke, who um, – he's a Mormon. I, know, I have an actual Mormon friend and he's, wow. actually, he's actually pretty rad. You know, we just – we don't talk about religion, but he's, he's a very rad him? human. Yeah, I know. I, I, like, <laughs> I have a Mormon friend. One of my best friends is Mormon. I um, want to turn. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, anyway, so, you know, they, they have a big thing about charity. Um, but what I really respect so, – so Luke in his, in, his, in his day life is a big, important banker-type person. Um, and what he does for charity is he goes and volunteers his time for the SBCA, but not kind of cuddling puppies. He goes and volunteers his time as an accountant, and he's helping them get their books in order, um, hmm. which is much more useful for them probably because they have a million people coming around to pet the cute kitties. Um, and, you know, clean our cages and things, but not that many people volunteering high specialized skills. Um, hmm. 
And I think often, you know, when we think about charity, we all think, okay, cool, we're going to go paint a school, we're going to go, I don't know, whatever we do. Um, instead of thinking about, you know, what are those skills that I have that could be deployed most usefully, even if it's not that kind of, doesn't give you that quite that same warm, fuzzy, you know, I, I, I huddled, cuddled with orphans today. Yeah. Feeling. Well, you could, you could turn, you, you could find selfish reasons. I suppose it is, you know, you, you always get the detractors who see even, uh, even acts of charity as, as selfish because they make you feel mm. better about yourself. But also, uh, you know, if, if you're an accountant, if, if you're, uh, it doesn't matter what you are, um, nothing will remind you of whether or not you're really into what you're doing. Uh, mm. And how you feel about it, like doing it for free. Mm, that's very true. I think it's important to, to no matter what it is that you do, do it for free at least once in a while mm. uh, and reassess why you like this thing. Mm. Yeah. I mean, doing something for free also gives you um, much more freedom than doing something for money, which is which is great. I think that's why, um, you know, ad agencies love taking on pro bono work because that's often the stuff that wins them big awards at Cannes because mm. when you're doing something for free, client doesn't tend to uh, feel like they, they can come back and, and completely water down every idea you have. Um, and they, they, they don't, you know, tell you make the logo bigger and change the color and do whatever. They just don't interfere as much. So mm -hmm. you can kind of get away with a bit more um, and experience sort of what it's like to, to just do the thing purely for doing the thing. Gotcha. Although mm. I do think it's important to treat your pro bono clients as if they were paying customers. Mm, definitely. Otherwise, you're not really giving them much value. Mm. You know, yeah, they're getting something for free, but if it's something rubbish, then yeah. who cares? Or something that doesn't work for their needs. You know, it's yeah. like, I'm going to go and do the books for the SBCA, but because I'm doing it for free, I'll just make up some numbers. <laughs> It'll be creative accounting, the most fun kind. <laughs> Boy, am I going to do this organization a favor. <laughs> yeah, totally. Mm. So, you know, being awesome. Being awesome and loving what you do and sometimes doing it for free. I like that idea, sometimes doing it for free. Yeah, you have to. And sometimes that's how you stay sane doing something. You know, we've, mm. we've spoken before about how the creativity oozes out of something like writing the moment you're paid to write press releases mm. for douchebags. Um, but boy, if you're writing press releases for douchebags and you're not writing other stuff on the side, you are not going to be a happy camper about writing for very long. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, you need, very to, true. you need to keep it going. <coughs> Sorry. Bless um, you. That was a cough, but thank you. <laughs> I still have this lingering, lingering bit of flu that's sitting there. It's been weeks now. It's so boring. You can say bless you to coughs, can't you? Can you? Isn't the I'm whole sure thing. Doesn't the bless you thing come from. Um, the spirit leaving the. I don't know. Is it your spirit leaving the body or that you might yeah, be. Yeah, but nobody believes in spirits anymore. It's just one of those <laughs> things that you say now. No, it's weird. Like, like oopsie-daisy. Hey. <laughs> oh, it's raining. So yeah. what do you say when somebody coughs? You can say bless you. I can say bless you any time I goddamn want, Sam. Jeez. Okay, fine. What if, you're, what if I don't want you to impose your blessings upon me? Well, then like, you should okay. say something. So, so I, have, I have a question actually related to this. So mm -hmm. um, I, have a, I have a kind of a, let's, let's call her a family friend who's, who's a very religious person. Um, uh, you're not talking about yourself, are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm myself asking for a friend. Is very religious. Sure um, you are. 
Anyway, family friend who's like hyper religious, and uh-huh. every time Don't I see all. her, and she she knows she knows that I'm an atheist, right? But every time I see her, she kind of goes on this thing where she's like, "Well, I'm going to pray for you." Uh, is 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 it okay to say or to feel like that's somehow invasive? Like like she's somehow. Mm-hmm. I don't know because I, I yeah it doesn't mean anything but I don't know you're you're entitled to feel that way yeah. but uh, how does her praying for you invade on your privacy if you don't believe that there's actually going to be any sort of uh, consequence of it Yeah fair enough You know yeah. I get I get that you don't like the 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 processes that lead to her thinking that that's going to achieve something I get yeah. that yeah. But hey, she's not hurting anybody. No, fair enough. I suppose it would be different if, like, I was a Satanist. <laughs> and, and you I, said, I'm going to curse you. I believed in my soul. Yes, <laughs> yes. No, no. If I was a Satanist and she was a Christian and was saying, I will pay for mm. your soul and be like, no, I don't want my soul prayed for. Well, my soul has to go to Satan. Well, you know, Satanists are very uptight about discussions like this because that's not really what <laughs> they believe. Mm. And they like they like uptight, like, uh, you know, you, you have that pagan friend with uh, the pentagram and uh, the T-shirt with a fairy mm-hmm. on it or whatever. Um, and when you talk yeah, about pagans one. as being raw meat eating whatevers, they, they don't get – they're not very happy about that because they're a misunderstood demographic. <laughs> and yeah, I think sure. Satanists are the same. Mm, yeah, probably. I remember I, <laughs> I did education for a year at uh, the University of Pretoria and we had a module on did Satanism. Did you really? I didn't I know did. that. Did you want to that, be a teacher? And no. Uh, I had to do it. Oh. <laughs> it was a punishment of sorts. <laughs> okay. um, but let's not go there. Let's yeah. talk about the module where they teach you to identify Satanism in young children. Because no! that's an important thing for teachers to learn. So if you go to an old Afrikaans institution <laughs> to study, that's what they teach teachers. Um, and is it black nails and incense? Yeah, if they listen to ACDC. Um, <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, well, I was definitely uh, a Satanist then. They showed us. They showed us an interview with Ozzy Osbourne, um, where he was being <laughs> accused of being a Satanist by a talk show host in the seventies, I think. <laughs> and the talk show host, uh, oh, he had one of the concerned mothers of America um, people in the studio with him. Yeah. Uh, and he said, he said, "Now, nah, Ozzy, this woman accuses you of being a Satanist, uh, and and how does that make you feel?" And Ozzy Osbourne said, "Well, I feel victimized, really." I mean, not all my songs are about Satan. <laughs> Why do they have to put me in a box? Oh, that's but hilarious. Satanists, uh, very misunderstood demographic. So, so, so tell me, according to the University of Pretoria, what are the warning signs apart from ACDC? Oh, man, I can't remember them all. None of them would actually uh, help you to identify a real Satanist who basically just wants to be left alone. Yeah. Um. <laughs> That's so funny. I had, someone came up to me once in high school. Um, he was in my grade, and we kind of never spoke. And she came up to me very out of the blue one day and asked if I was a witch, but but seriously. Um, mm. Well, were you? Because <laughs> I was kind of into Wiccan at, at some stage in high school. Oh, boy. You know? You were one of those. Yeah. Were you uptight I was, about it? I was one of those. I wasn't uptight about it, um, I uh-huh. think. Um, I just, I just liked, I liked to go and, I don't know, dance around in the moonlight and, and talk to fairies. <laughs> Doesn't matter what you do, so it, long as you're worry. awesome at it. <laughs> Something. Yeah. Anyway. But come on, you must have gone through some weird experimental religious phase in high school. Doesn't everyone? Mm, I think it had pretty much left my system by then. Okay. I just wanted to be left alone. That doesn't make me a Satanist. I wasn't referring to that. But I just wanted to be left alone, basically. 
Mm. I definitely wanted to be left alone by the douchebags at the Christian school I went to in primary school. Mm. Um, definitely did not want to hear from them. Yeah. Uh, and basically decided that, you know, you make up your own mind about these things and everybody else should just fuck off and leave you alone. Well done. You, you're right. And you don't need a early. name for it either. Uh, my, you can call it. Don't uh, fuck a writers. <laughs> you, yeah, you can call it fuckuism. Uh, yeah. You can yeah. call it uh, whatever. It doesn't matter. None of your get business. Up, just shut up and get on with your life. Believe what I believe, man. <laughs> Be I'm awesome. I'm not hurting isn't. anybody and I'm being awesome at it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd sign up for that religion. Uh, yeah. You can join in anytime mm, you want. Whatever. I don't yeah, care. Yeah, totally. <laughs> oh, I get proselytized too. Oh no! Uh, so, what did you do with your Wiccan awesomeness? Um, I had a shrine. Um, nice. <laughs> and um, I used to, I used to grow a lot of things. I really loved gardening, and I kind of, and I still really <laughs> love gardening. But at the time, I kind of thought that this was some kind of deep psychic connection with the earth. Um, wow! So I would grow like herbs and shit, and then I would, I'd, I'd harvest them, and then I'd burn them in my altar. And <laughs> I would, I would like, no, ridiculous, just ridiculous stuff. And I also, I was into every esoteric thing as a teenager, like from about ages 13 to 15, you know, I had rune stones and I had tarot cards and I had, I mean, just a big mishmash of anything that I found at the weird esoteric bookstore and around the road, around the corner in Pretoria, um, you know, everything. I believed in everything. Mm. And it was then quite cool. the bubble very, popped. Yeah. But I kind of miss, I miss that some, sometimes I miss the, 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 total credibility that i had about everything you know like mm. um i read i read fingerprints of the gods by graham hancock that that ridiculous book about how the pyramids lead to a lost mm. atlantis whatever mm -hmm. you know everything seemed real well, credibility to everybody except like scientists <laughs> yeah. and yeah. that's the amazing thing with credibility right mm. we think we're also life is like a basketball sam yeah yeah, yeah. one minute you <laughs> Rolling along, <laughs> full of air. <laughs> the next one, you are slapped by a man, and then you a hit man the who lets atoms and wavelengths get in the way of your belief in tarot. <laughs> No, it's, no, 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 but you totally justify it when you're into that stuff because you are all like quantum. Quantum ah. is the explanation to everything. Uh, yeah. Which you is were just explaining how, yeah. not why. No, of course. No, I mean, look, I, I totally came to my senses and then became as obsessed by Carl Sagan, you know, for a while and, and, and things afterwards, which was much uh, more interesting. He um, was pretty dreamy. He was kind of dreamy. Yeah, I'm busy rewatching Cosmos at the moment, uh, which is mm. just so wonderful and Required cheesy. reading. Oh, uh, so have you seen the the TV series? Uh, I have not. Although you're not the first person to tell me about it, I should finally. I mean, Dude. it was made like in the 80s or something, wasn't it? I think it looks. It, it's either early 80s or late 70s, even. It's mm. so trippy. It's so dreamy. It's like him in the spaceship, and it's a, a very yeah. very bad epic uh, spaceship. So, yeah, and he's flying around space. <laughs> so awesome. if we if we did a required reading list for Take Back the Day, I'd put Cosmos right up there. Uh, read it watch it whatever you need to uh, digest that shit and uh while you're at it go and check out radio lab episode which is the one it's just called space if you just google radio lab <gasps> oh i space, love that one that was such a good episode, episode of radio lab ever mm, and that's that's saying something because every episode of radio lab is just splendid in my earlobes oh, not in my man. earlobes in my ear holes <laughs> we all aspire to one day be half as awesome as jade ebimrod Mm, it's a true story. Man's got it going on. Mm. Uh, and that's awesome. 
yes. which had Ebum Rudd. And for anybody listening, and boy, if you thought Carl Sagan was dreamy before, wait until you listen to that episode. Mm, mm. <laughs> You'll think he's so, double um, dreamy after that. Absolutely. So along the same lines, I found out some interesting things about Nicholas Tesla this in the last couple of weeks. Do you know apparently he was a massive dandy? No, he was a dandy. <laughs> like he was obsessed about his clothes and he was wow. a germaphobe. Like he was a, like he washed his hands obsessively and um, we used to have panic attacks thinking about germs. That's so awesome. Not, sounds like a bit of a naff, actually. <laughs> Yeah, maybe, or maybe a little bit like, uh, what was his name, the aviator? Um, oh, yeah. You know, a crazy genius type who yeah. also likes to wash his hands every five minutes. Yes, Cause, and went a little bit unhinged. Yeah, because mm. uh, that happens sometimes mm. with people who are crazy awesome at things. Yes, it's they the downside. They get super it's obsessed with downside. other things. Mm. You know, it's a bit like a basketball. <laughs> a lot of germs on basketball. <laughs> yeah, those, oh, are, goodness. those are grabby things. Okay, um, before we get carried away with the basketball thing, <laughs> we should probably. I quit think while we're ahead. I think it's. I think it's too late for that. Um, yeah. So I think if this if this this conversation ever did magically find its way onto the internet, I think that wow. the name of it needs to be "Life is Like a Basketball." Yeah, totally. Or just basketball, or maybe okay. awesome. Awesome. I like one word names for things, you know, mm-hmm. uh, like, like Sam and Beck Bessinger, that's a lot of information. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Okay. But this has been fun. Let's do it again in like a week. Let's do that. Okay. Thank you, Sam Beck Bessinger. Thank you, Simon Dingle. Enjoy the rest of your Friday. Have an awesome week, Sam Beck Bessinger. <laughs> you too. I will Watch speak to you Watch out for basketballs. Soon. Okay. I will do. <laughs> Bye. Bye.